everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. If you enjoyed the show or had any questions, why not connect with me on Instagram at Marina Pearson? Look out for the show's meme and make a comment there, or just click on my story and ask me a question. Alternatively, you can find me on the Joy of Being Facebook group. And if you would like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about the Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. And on this week's show, I'm super excited to be interviewing the incredible the untalented Sarah Dean. Now, Sarah is the creator and host of the Shameless Mum Academy podcast, and she's done phenomenally well, which is why I decided to interview her today. I was looking through the Apple iTunes podcast, and I kept seeing hers on the news and noteworthy, and I was like, wow, I'd love, love to interview this lady, because uh, I also love the title. And it's almost approaching 1 million downloads. And Sarah's biggest passion is helping women own their space, which is something that I loved about her and I could really feel during the interview that we did today. And certainly uh, she really walks her talk in that regard. And something about Sarah that I didn't know was that after enduring her own identity crisis following the birth of her son, Sarah took her background in psychology and health and wellness and actually rebuilt her identity uh, and did so in a very inspiring way and helping women to stop shrinking and start growing. She's on a massive mission to inspire women and mums in particular to live bigger, bolder, braver, hashtag every damn day. And I have to say that you can really feel that in this interview. Uh, Her boundaries are clear. Uh, She really really walks the talk in the sense that she actually has her own radical self-care plan. She puts herself first in the sense that she knows what she wants and then makes sure that everything else is included in that. But it's not coming from a place of shame. It's coming from a place of power. And so if you're a mum who is very time poor and thinks okay well how am I gonna radically take care of myself when I have a huge list of things that I need to do people that I need to look after and I always seem to be the one at the bottom of the list well this is going to be a great episode for you because we cover all of those doubts and questions in this very podcast so enjoy so welcome, Sarah. Um, or is it Sarah? I actually haven't asked you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Sarah. But with your lovely accent, you can say it however you want and I will be flattered. <laughs> yeah, our spirits, we get away with a lot, actually. Uh, we can pronounce things that are just really bad and yet... <laughs> So wonderful to have you here today. And, you know, the reason why I brought you on is, is because, well, when I was looking at podcasts that 
kind of what jumped out at me, yours was definitely one of those um, with the Shameless Mum Academy and, and uh, we're in Sheep Podcasts as well um, on Facebook. And I don't know, I just felt like what you've created and what you've built is so extraordinary that I wanted to interview you, not only about that, but your journey with it that I think can help other mums and women in business to help them sort of, you know, find their joy in being too. So I'd love to start with why did you go down that road? Like, was it always there? Was it always that you wanted to do what you do now, which is um, the Shameless Mom Academy? Um, or is there, was there something else that you were doing at the time? Yeah, I'd love to, love to sort of hear that story. Sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to connect with your listeners. This will be really fun. To answer your question, I, for the last 16 years, have been in the fitness industry. So I owned a gym for a lot of that time. And I sold that gym a few months ago. And the reason I sold that gym is because two and a half years ago, I started a podcast. And over time, it became really clear that my mission with the podcast podcast and the conversations I was having with the podcast and with my guests and and with myself when I record alone um, were more deeply impactful in terms of the way I wanted to be engaging with an audience and the messages I wanted to be spreading in the world than the messages that I was spreading at the gym. And what had happened with the gym over time is I had built a business that I loved. I really, really loved the business that I built at the gym. And it was an amazing community of women and many of them were moms. And I loved what I had there. But I also started to feel a little bit limited in the conversations that we were having. And I felt like I wanted to be having conversations that were not just about losing weight and like perfecting our physical bodies. And I wanted a place to have conversations that were, um, I think, a little deeper than that. And I had a lot of those conversations at the gym. A lot of the stuff that we talked about with our gym members were about like, you know, being physically and emotionally strong and like, you know, living your best life and finding your power and all those kinds of things. So it wasn't all just about weight loss, but it was also apparent to me that like the reason most people sign up for a gym membership is because they want to lose weight or they want to like tone a certain part of their body. There was some sort of like physical thing that oftentimes people were kind of obsessing over. And that's great that there's a place for them to go to get those kinds of needs met. But I was like, I want to be talking about some different things. And so when I started the podcast, um, I knew I wanted to be talking about my experiences in motherhood. And I had gone through a lot of infertility. We'd gone through like six years of infertility treatments. And so there was a lot to talk about there. And then also I have a five-year-old and when I started the podcast, he was three and I had gone through this huge infertility journey and felt like I should be so grateful to be a mom, except for that it felt really hard. And sometimes I didn't love being a mom. <laughs> and so I wanted a place to talk about that. And and then I wanted a place to be talk, be able to talk about helping women and moms in particular, find a better sense of identity after motherhood and not just identify as being moms and wives and people who take care of other people. But I wanted a place where I could help moms really focus on taking care of themselves and making that a priority and not because they need to be better for someone else, but just because they deserve to be the best person they can be to enjoy their life in the best way possible. Um, So that's kind of how the podcast started. And it started out as 
you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing called the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm going to do it for six months. I'm going to see how it goes. And if I love it, and if I don't love it, I'll stop. If I do love it, I'll keep going. At some point, I might try to build a business around it if I love it. And after six months, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is definitely the direction I want to be going. And so after about a year, I decided that I wanted to look into selling the gym and to be able to go full-time into the podcast. And so that just got finalized a few months ago. Um, so it's been a, cr- a big transition. I walked away from a successful business that gave me decent, reliable income. And it's. It, I, I think it sounds a little... To other people, it sounds a little ridiculous to walk away some, from something that's successful and has a strong business model behind it in order to do something that where you haven't proven yourself yet, but that's what I did. Um, and I'm super determined to um, just create an amazing community around my podcast, which which is happening right now. And so, so since um, selling the gym, I've been able to build... We have our free Facebook group that goes with the Shameless Mom Academy. And we're, we're able to... you know, I'm in there doing Facebook Lives all the time. And I'm able to just do a ton of connection with the community. And they're able to connect with each other. So we're all really... Um, impacting each other and our abilities to become more shameless every damn day, as I like to say. Wow, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful that you actually got to listen to your heart and that you weren't going to not listen to that calling. I totally hear you and I totally hear where often we're nudged into a new a new path that we don't know much about, but we get nudged into that direction because there is this voice inside of us that won't leave us alone. And then, then just because that voice just, okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you say so, um, right. Just do it. And I, you know, I've spoken to so many women on this podcast that have had a very similar experience as you have, which is they took a leap of faith and they decided that the direction they were going in wasn't the one that they wanted. And they were like, no, I'm done. I'm, 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 going to take it in this direction now. Um, not knowing what they would find, but knowing that what they were doing at the time wasn't necessarily what was lighting them up, what was making their heart sing, what was, right. you know, doing it for them. So, you know, obviously with your Shameless Mom Academy and and the podcast, it's done so, so well because I've seen it on News and Noteworthy and I'm sure it has many, many downloads. Um, I'm curious about one of the things that you've noticed as a mom, as me as well, one of the things that we, we were challenged with the most, what would you say that is? That changes from day to day. One of the biggest challenges I have is not related to parenting as much as I have one child and I, as he gets older, you know, when he was a baby, he was a really difficult baby. And I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, I just want it to go faster. I just want it to go faster. Like, how am I going to survive this? And now as he gets a little older and he's going to kindergarten next year, I am like painfully aware of every day he needs me less and and he's only five. <laughs> um, but like, I'm already worried about him not needing me. And I'm already worried about like, what is life going to be like when he, I'm no longer, like, we're no parenting is not like my number one priority. And so, one of the things I'm acutely aware of is making sure that I have a strong sense of identity so that when my son no longer needs me, I still know who I am and I have I have built a life that I love because I think that 
like I love being a mom. It is so fulfilling to me and it brings me joy that I never ever imagined. And there's a part of me that's terrified of that being gone someday. So I'm I'm taking radical responsibility to make sure that when he's older and he doesn't need me anymore, I still have a life that I love that can go on without him and I'm not crippled by what we call emptiness syndrome, uh, emptiness syndrome over here. I don't know if you guys call it that in over in Britain, but um, where I'm not crippled by the fact that like he doesn't live at our house anymore and he doesn't need us every day. And like, I'm not needing to harass him to hang out with me all the time. And um, so I think that's my biggest challenge is like the, I call it the, the beautiful and brutal aspects of motherhood where it's so fun to see them grow up, but it's also heartbreaking because as they grow, they're more and more independent. As when they're really little, you'd be like, there's nothing you want more than your baby to not cling to you all the time. But then when they're not clinging to you, you're like, all I want is them to cling for like five minutes. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge to me is kind of navigating that emotional, those emotional places that where I consider all the feelings around like the joy and the pain of motherhood. Yeah, I can resonate with that. And, mm. and actually I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're a little bit like me based on what you've already shared here today, which is you're fiercely independent and you want to create a legacy. Cause that's really what I'm hearing is um, yeah. creating a legacy beyond yeah. yourself with a purpose that, you know, has you engaged in life and with other people, you know, I, I, I really hear that. And I, I, and I totally hear what you're saying about the independent side and then being clingy. And my son right now, he's three and a half. He walks around the house asking for me all the time. Where are you going, mommy? <laughs> mommy, mommy, where are you? <laughs> mommy, can I come with you? No, I'm going to the toilet. Come, I want to go with you to the toilet. Mommy, mommy, where are you going? <laughs> mommy, 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 mommy. Right. It's just like, oh my God. Um, yeah, can I get a break? <laughs> and I am like, yeah, I only have one. I really, in those moments, I'm like, oh my God. And then he um, he then spends some time with his dad. So his dad lives in the US. And so he's gone like, you know, five weeks at a time now. And then he comes back and he's with me for maybe five weeks or six weeks. So it's quite intense, but then he's yeah. gone. So I already getting a glimpse of what that might look like. So I'm already I'm yeah. already getting that that sort of oh okay so he's not here okay I'll just get on with my life then as I do mm. when he's here anyway. But I I kind of wanted to go back to this point what you were saying about you know fertility and then seeing it as being really hard. I don't think you're alone and I'm sure that in your in your group there, there's lots of sharing around this where I don't know about you but I certainly went naively into motherhood I was like yeah I'll be a great mom oh <laughs> oh what's this <laughs> oh shoot this is really hard <laughs> oh my god this is so hard um yeah like you know and then and then sort of going oh now I understand a little bit more about my why my mother was the way she was or you know real compassion towards my mother as opposed to what it was before, which is a huge judge fest yeah. around how it was for her. So I'm curious about that. Like, because of course you've called it the shameless mom Academy and I'm, I'm, 
within that, there's the guilt side, isn't there? So, so I guess shame is a bigger version of guilt, but, but there is this push and pull of like, I want to be the best mom I can. Oh fuck, I fucked up again. Like, so yeah, I'd love to sort of hear your take on that a little bit. I feel like I don't have guilt now or I, and, and and I'm sure this will, you know, the funny thing is, is like, it's always constantly changing. And so I'll say this now that like, I don't have a lot of guilt, but like next week I probably will have a lot of guilt. So, um, but I think when my son was really little, he was a really intense baby. And so I, I don't know if I had guilt, but I did have like really conflicting emotions and maybe some of them shameful, kind of in the realm of shame that I was frustrated and exhausted and like, I didn't always enjoy my time with him and he would have these moments. And I literally only needed like a moment of day of like smiles and laughter. And then I'd be like, okay, we're fine. But when it was a day of just like screaming and dissatisfaction, and I had this ongoing joke that I said about him for his like first year and a half where I just said, yeah, this is Vinny. And he's just generally dissatisfied with life because he was such an emotional kid all the time. And I was like, I don't know how to manage this. And then once he started talking, it got so much better. But he was a kid. And what I've kind of determined now is he was a kid who knew exactly what he wanted from the day he was born. But before he could communicate that and tell me what he wanted, it was just a lot of screaming. And so this went with everything in regards to like eating and any sort of separation. I mean, it was just like traumatic to have that we had a nanny and there was a lot of screaming with that. And then he went into childcare at a preschool and there was a lot of screaming with that. And it was just like every transition was so hard. And I remember thinking that we had really good friends who had had stillborn twins about a year before we had Vinny. And they had a baby. At, so they had stillborn twins, which was obviously deeply, deeply traumatic. And then a year later, we had sons within five days of each other. So they had their little boy and we had our little boy. And I remember that mom never losing her patience over everything. And I remember her saying, like, I can never complain about anything because I went through this trauma and I lost two other baby boys. So I can never complain about like, no matter how much my baby cries, I can never complain about it. Granted, she had a super easy baby. Her baby was like the best baby ever. And here I was, and I was like, you know, we did not go through the trauma of losing, of having stillborn babies, but we had gone through this trauma of having it taken so long to get pregnant. And I felt like I would send her texts, like complaining about like, oh my God, you know, it was another day of screaming all day. And I felt like I wasn't allowed to um, like be bothered by that because it had, I had worked so hard to get this baby that I should just be grateful 100% of the time. And it was funny when she had her second baby a couple of years later, she had a screamer and she texted me one day and she's like, I just have to apologize if I ever said anything that offended you when you were complaining about Vinny screaming all the time, and I, which she never did say anything offensive, but she's like, I feel so differently. And that made me feel so much better because I felt like she was such this like perfect mom because she had been through this trauma. And so she was so, did such a great job of just being grateful all the time. And then when she realized, oh, well, like I just actually ha- happened to have a really great baby with her first, um, with her first su- surviving son, that when she had the second son who was a screamer, she was like, oh my gosh, I just got off really easy the first time. And like, I didn't know that. And that made me feel so much better. So I think that for me, a lot of it was like I struggled to find joy, especially in that first year and a half. And that was really unexpected. Like I just thought there would be a lot more consistent joy. And so 
that was really hard for me and really overwhelming. And I remember very much thinking like, when is my life just going to go back to normal? And it really took a solid year for me to realize like, you're not going back to your old life before you had a baby. It's never going to be the same. And for a long time that like I grieved my former life because I felt so out of control in my new mom life. And, and as the control freak, that was very challenging. Um, but then I started after like a year and a half from like when, from the time he was one and a half until he was three, I very much started like settling into like, okay, like this is going to be okay. And it's starting to get better and better and better. And then by the time he was three, prior to me launching the podcast, I was like, okay, like I have survived something here. Like I have survived something major and I feel good about it now. Like I feel like I've come out the other side and I, I have a grasp of what I've been through. And I don't think my situation is unique. I think that a lot of moms probably go through this. And I think a lot of moms go through, like we're supposed to think that motherhood is just like so magical all the time and so beautiful but sometimes it's like 95% hard and 5% beautiful. And all you need is the 5% to survive and like love it enough to keep going. But 5%, like that's not a great ratio. <laughs> that's a challenging ratio, you know? So now I feel like it's really flipped where it's like 95% amazing and 5% challenging because I have a kid who communicates really, really well. And that for him, like as long as he can communicate his needs and we can talk things out, things are really good. But I have friends who have five-year-olds where they're still in a really messy place sometimes and they don't have kids who are in this place that we're in right now. And so I think it's different for everyone. Um, but I think that for me, that's kind of how I've managed the emotion behind it and like kind of captured some of the perspective, which has been so, so helpful. So that's kind of a long answer to your question. <laughs> I love, I love long answers to my questions <laughs> <laughs> because it means there's a story behind it. And, <laughs> it's true. It's um, true. Yeah. I really, I really love that story because I can totally relate and I'm sure that the listeners can too. I certainly naively went thinking, oh yeah, this is a breeze and found the first year and a half, two years, like the most difficult, like so the, hard. the heavy duty and, and kind of going, hang on a second, how come I don't look like all those women in the magazines that look so happy? Right. Babies. And, right. and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm like the only one out there that feels this way. And luckily I had friends I could talk to, but I really didn't realize like how difficult it would be because um, he didn't sleep much. And also I was having some health issues. So I was pretty exhausted. I think, you know, having people that you can talk to is such a really big part of this and, and going to say, oh, me too. And I'm not the only one. Right. Right. Definitely. And that's been probably like the biggest joy of building my community around the Shameless Mom Academy. And now that we have our free Facebook group is that women are posting things and that just like blow my mind. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so validating to hear other people's stories. And it makes us all feel so much better. And especially when we can celebrate something, you know, just this morning, someone in the community posted about being a teen. She was a teen mom and now her um, firstborn child is graduating from high school and she comes from a family of people who, you know, never went to college and all these things. And so to see this and to like get this picture of what a, this journey has been like for her and then to be able to celebrate with her, that's so fun and so amazing. And so I think that those connections where we can be like, oh my gosh, like we've done all these hard things. And when you're doing them independently, sometimes you don't allow yourself the space to celebrate as much. And when you have a community to say like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And you get all these people who are like, 
that's amazing. You know, I just think that that's the best feeling to be validated. And shortly after Vinny was born, we joined a parent group and ha- were with parents who had babies within this, the, about a month of us. And that was really, really validating. And then about a year after that, we ended up through some neighborhood dads all getting together and kind of this neighborhood dads would take the boys every Saturday morning and the moms ended up becoming really good friends. And so now I have these like two groups of mom friends who have kids really very close to my son's age. And once I found like those two tribes, that also made a huge, huge difference because it's that connection of that we understand each other and we're all in the same place at the same time. And that's very different than my friends who have kids a little older than mine. So even when my, a lot of my good girlfriends have kids like two or three years older than Vinny. And that's very different because when he was a newborn and screaming all the time and my friends with three-year-olds are saying like, Oh, it gets better and just enjoy the cuddles. Like that was not helpful. That actually made me really cranky. (laughs) and That was not validating. So I wanted to be around people who were like, yeah, I was up all night too. And like, yeah, today really, really sucked. Um, So I think that having those places where you can get validation for whatever you're going through, if it's hard or if it's amazing, is just so, so helpful. And that's been so life-giving to me. And so... You know, I know that this is definitely one of those things that I'm challenged with, which is wanting to do lots of different projects and then having a son in between who needs my attention (laughs) um, a lot of the time, as we were just saying. So I'm curious about your journey with boundaries. How how has that been for you? What what are some of the things that you found challenging? What are some of the things that you you feel like you've really improved on? What are some of the things that um, have been really helpful? I'm generally a good boundary person. Like anyone, I have my struggles. But for the most part, I'm a a good person with boundaries because um, I'm a pretty disciplined person. And so, and are you familiar with Gretchen Rubin? Yeah. She wrote wrote The Happiness Project and Better Than Before. Um, And her newest book is called The Four Tendencies. And she talks about these kind of four different personality types. And so the most common personality type is an obliger and obligers really love to do things for other people. And they're very accommodating to other people often at their own expense. And they have a hard time saying no to people. And so moms are generally obligers because we kind of have to be in a lot of ways to take care of our children. And then just by default, we're like, well, while I'm taking care of the children, I guess I'll like, I'll also take care of the husband because I'm already like taking care of everyone. And then I'll also take care of people at work. And then I'll, I'll just take care of everyone and never take care of myself. So that's the nature of many, many moms. I am an upholder, which is the smallest percent of people. And I'm an upholders. We are motivated to be, to oblige other people, but we are also we uphold our own rules as well. So where obligers will will generally just follow the rules of other people and meet other people's expectations, upholders will meet their own expectations and other people's expectations. So I call obligers like super nerdy people. So I'm the kind of person who will get up and work out every single morning by myself in my guest bedroom of my house. And I don't need to like have an appointment to go to a gym. I don't need to have the accountability of a personal trainer. It's just a rule I set for myself that I get up every morning and I do this. And and like the same thing with bedtime. Like I pretty much have the same bedtime every night. Like I go to bed between 10 and 11 o'clock and my husband knows that like if he plans a date night and we're out till midnight... I will complete, like basically have an anxiety attack. Like I get super stressed out because I don't like being out late and then I don't sleep well because I'm nervous about getting enough sleep. So I'm pretty good with boundaries because I have these rules that I set for myself and which is super nerdy and weird sometimes. <laughs> um, 
part of boundaries for me is that I maintain certain boundaries because of my nature as an upholder. But with a lot of moms that I work with, they don't maintain boundaries that serve them because they're obligers and because they're constantly serving other people. And they're in such a mindset, oftentimes because of duties around motherhood, they're in such a mindset of being of service all the time that they don't even consider their own needs or how to ask for that or how to set boundaries around that. And so for me, I'm really good at like my family knows that I work out first thing every morning and they're kind of not allowed to bug me. Now, when my son was like two, I couldn't say like, I'm not going to help you with anything between 7 and 7.30 in the morning. So instead, we kind of had systems set up where it was like, okay, he was going to be in his room and he had these special things to play with during that time. And we had a whole like morning routine built around like I could do my workout and my husband could do his thing and whatever. And so there's been a lot of evolution in our household around just the boundaries that we have chosen for ourselves in order for like for us to kind of... For all of us to... um feel good about how we start our day. So a lot of my boundaries are around my morning time, my my time in the morning. I also, it's really important to me to be home in the evening. And so one of my boundaries is I want to have family dinners. Now, I'm not saying family dinners always fun, especially when my son was like two and three. I remember <laughs> making a joke that like family dinners are actually torture and when I was pregnant, I made this big deal about like, we need to do family dinners because there's all this research about family dinners being so positive. And my husband and I grew up not having dinners with our families. Like we were just both kids that like ate dinner in front of the TV, not with our parents. And, but we both knew that we wanted to do this with once we had kids that we wanted to eat dinner as a family. It was awful. Like when Vinny was two and three, it was not fun at all. It was, we were all just super annoyed and Vinny was throwing food all over and it was a big mess and it was not fun. But because that's a value for us, I made sure that like as Vinny got older that I wasn't teaching classes at my gym in the evenings. I wanted to be home. I wanted to be home for the bedtime routine and be putting him to bed, even though I often didn't enjoy it because I always said it was like 87 steps that just took forever to do like the whole dinner thing and then the bath and the reading stories and the, you know, throwing the binky out of the bed 18 times and like all these things took forever and were a lot, a lot of times not fun, but it was a value to me to be home in the evening and be with my family. And so that has remained a boundary for me. And so now when I have the opportunity to do things, you know, there's, I could go a networking event like every single night here in Seattle. And I don't, I limit myself. I try, I'm often gone one night a week. I'm never gone more than two nights a week. So if I have two things scheduled, over the course of a week and someone, even one of my closest girlfriends can say like, Hey, can you come do this? And I'm like, no, I already like, I'm already, I've already booked my evenings this week. What does next week look like? So I'm, that's a very clear boundary for me. So I have all these kind of rules set for myself so that there's not a lot of gray area. And that's been really helpful for me. And so that's what I talk to other moms about is where can you draw the line? Like, where do you want to set those boundaries? And in addition to that, how do you set the boundaries? Because if you're someone who's always said yes to everything, it's really uncomfortable to start saying no. And it's really uncomfortable to feel like you're maybe being a little bit selfish, even though that's generally not other people's perception. This is just often our own perceived idea. And so... I talked... One of my episodes on the Shameless Mom Academy is about the seven phrases of freedom. And one of the phrases of freedom is that no is a complete sentence. And so if someone says like, Hey, could you get up for drinks, you know, with our girlfriends tomorrow at six? 
my past tendency would have been to offer a long story of excuses about all the reasons I couldn't make it work. And now I just say, no, that won't work for me. Like, I don't need to give an explanation. I don't need to tell a long story. I don't need to say, give 13 reasons. I don't need to bend the truth, which is another thing I used to do as a people pleaser and feeling bad about saying no to someone is I would almost bend the truth to be like, well, my husband doesn't like it when I'm gone more than two nights a week. Like, that's not the truth. That was just taking the burden off of me being responsible for that decision. The truth is he's totally fine with me being gone as long as it's reasonable, but if there's like something I want to go do for myself, or especially, you know, if there's something I need to do that might be supportive of my business, he's very supportive of that. So for me to like bend the truth because I don't know how to say no is ridiculous. And so a lot of what I talk about with moms is getting really clear on boundaries and not needing to over explain or feel guilty about them. Just say like, no, this is what I do, or this is what we do as a family, or this is what works for us, and this is what doesn't work for us. And just keeping it like super neutral and factual and simple. And we don't need to make it bigger than what it is. And that can even come down to like spending holidays with extended family. Like, no, we're not coming to Christmas this year. We can't make it. It doesn't need to be like, well, actually, we don't really like you and our families argue and it ruins the whole holiday and we have decided it's not good for our kids and blah, blah. I'm like, no, you just need to say, no, like, we're not going to be able to make it. Like, and that can feel extremely hard and extremely uncomfortable for people, but also you have that right. And again, going back to radical responsibility, like you need to take radical responsibility for building the life that you want to live. And so you can choose to keep it really simple and really clean or you can make it like painful and awful and obnoxious and frustrating and overwhelming and burdensome. And you have to decide which way you want to go with that. It's going to be hard to make it simple because simple is not easy, but taking those steps to make things simple and have clear boundaries over time is so rewarding. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot to unpack there. (laughs) Well, I think what I really heard in what you were saying is whatever works for each person. Because mm-hmm. you know, as you were saying, you know, we all have different personalities and what may work for one person doesn't right. necessarily work for the other. Definitely. But the Definitely. other thing that came to mind when you were speaking was this morning when I was having um, a chat with one of my mentors and we were talking about this very thing. I have guests that come to stay at the house and it's the first year I'm doing it. And the, you know, while I'm here, I uh, rented the house out in full last year and I wasn't here. So I didn't need to deal with any guests. It was interesting because I had someone come who was very, her energy was very much entitlement. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm entitled to this and I'm entitled to that. And I don't want to pay much money, but um, I want to get as much out of this as possible. And um, I already had an inkling that she was going to be not getting up when she should be getting up to go. And it was a massive fail on my part because by 11, she should have been out. And it was 11, I knocked on her door. Um, and it and it's so interesting because I, I had this moment of like, oh, why do I do that? Um, because then the next guests arrive and the room wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I was like, hmm, okay. And then I realized my judgment of it the actual kind of not having the fixed boundary of going, no, that this is the time you need to leave. It was actually more to do with then the massive amount of judgment I held on myself for not doing the very thing that I said I would do. 
because actually it's not necessarily a problem until we kind of judge it as one. And it mm-hmm. was kind of beating myself up about, about that moment. And I was like, oh, what if I just laughed it off? What if I just did, oh, okay, well, that didn't really work. Next time right. I might do better. I realized, oh, it's, it's actually more to do with my own attitude around this than it is to do with the actual fact that I didn't actually uh, do it. But what did occur to me was that I became very aware that this is still a pattern. This is still something that, that, that um, I want to honor more of the time. And I, and I learned something about myself today that I, that I didn't actually realize was still there. So that was really, really useful. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for noticing our weird and wonderful habits of thinking and going, oh, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. Taking note on those things is so, can be so significant. but doing with a little bit of joy and doing it with a little bit of humor, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. As opposed to what I did, which was have a complete meltdown. I go, my God, I'm so bad at this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about motherhood is the opportunity to use humor. I love the idea of using humor instead of judgment because that's definitely the direction I've gone with motherhood that when things were really hard, in those first few years, I was like, okay, like everything that's really hard just makes a great story later on. So that day that my kids screamed all day and I never got dressed and I cried four times, that's a great story six months later. It's awful in the moment, but it makes for a great story. And that became really clear to me over time that these Mm. things that we sometimes, like we can, you can sit and have a breakdown over it. um, Or you can be like, well, today was a really good, makes for a really good story. Um, and I think that that's often, that's so much more productive to like, look at the lesson learned and look at like how to, you know, laugh, at, laugh about it or turn it into a story, or turn it into, you know, a memorable experience. I think that that's such a more valuable perspective than sitting in judgment. And, and I think that's where we get, we can be so self-critical as we let ourselves sit in judgment for too long. Yeah. And, and what I, what I also noticed is that when, I mean, you know, the judgment came in and that was that it's not like I was attempting to fight it off or whatever. It just happens that it just comes in. But then I noticed that actually when it was in and I was in that place that I couldn't actually see what was important. So I couldn't see that there was another way of viewing this. I couldn't see that, that, that that pattern had just arrived again and that that's actually something that I just need to be aware of um, because I was so much in the, oh my God, this is awful and I'm such an idiot and blah, blah, blah. But it was only when my head calmed, when I calmed down that I was able to see how useful it was to have had that experience. Right, right. Oh, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I agree. And it does... It takes a little time and space. I say space and grace, like space and grace from the situation before you can be like, oh, there is something to learn here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Right. Like giving us and grace. Yeah. Um, the spacking out moment. So a question I'd love to ask my guests is, uh, what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days? So since selling the gym, I'm giving myself permission to be more creative. And, you know, for the 18 months it took me to sell the gym, I was basically working full time for the gym, full time for the podcast. And so that was a lot. And 
I felt very much like I was just constantly like reacting to whatever needed to be done next. And I couldn't really think through strategically, like, what do I really want to do with any of this? Um, and I kept thinking, as soon as the gym is sold, then I'll be able to put some thought into like, where do I really want to go with the Shameless Mom Academy? What do I really want to build here? And so one of the things I'm really paying attention to right now is building something that I really love and building something that, I mean, you touched on legacy earlier, like building something that I feel really proud of and building a business that can evolve with me over time and that can serve my community, but also serve my needs. And so, you know, it, it would be easy for me to do some things with the podcast. One of the examples I give, like it would be easy for me to say like, I'm just going to do one-on-one life coaching with different people in my podcast community because there's a need for that within my community and there's people who want that. But that would also be limiting to me in the long run. So I do some of that. I do a little bit of that. I do do some one-on-one coaching, but I'm also very conscientious around what do I want this business to look like down the road and how do I want it to be flexible for me and what are my long-term goals? And some of my goals are being able to participate in my son's... I want to be able to volunteer in my son's classroom and help with reading groups next year. I want to be able to have... They have like this amazing um, lunch program there and I want to be able to help with the lunch program and I want to be able to pick him up every day after school rather than doing after school care. And I want to be able to travel multiple times a year and not be tied to a business that won't allow me to do that. So I'm being really conscientious as I'm building something new. Um, I'm being very conscientious of giving myself a little time Again, space and grace, giving myself a little space and grace to be really conscientious of building something that I'm really going to love that will be able to grow with me and meet me where I'm at in terms of my like five year and 10 year goals. And that's been really, really exciting because when I had the gym, it was a lot about like, okay, we have all this overhead. Like, how do I? I just need to get enough revenue to cover the overhead. And like the goals felt very different. And they be for different purposes. And now I can make it a little bit... I'm feeling like I can make it a little more self-serving in terms of like something that's really fun for me and a creative outlet and um, where I can connect with women I really want to connect with. And, I'm, and that's really, really exciting. And that I can also be as involved as I want to be as a mom, which is a really big deal to me. I love that because what I'm really hearing in that is that you know, you're taking into consideration your own lifestyle, which so often we can get caught up in the, this is what I want the business to look like, haven't really taken into consideration what kind of implications that actually has on our lifestyle and what kind of lifestyle we really want. You know, usually where I've started with clients is to ask them really about the lifestyle that they want because they've actually forgotten, you know, they maybe got a business which is now, you know, doing well, but they have never actually sat down to figure out, well, what would I do with my, my extra time if I had it? And so what's happened is, is they, they stay in the business, even though they, they've actually got a team because they don't actually realize that they don't know what they would do that with their time if they had it. Yeah. So, um, they just don't, you know, they think they want more time, but they're just not quite sure what they would do with that time and getting clarity on that is a huge revelation for them because then it actually gives them the motivation go, aha, if I am actually able to shift from having this job that I've got into creating an asset, I'm then able to do all of the stuff that I want to do. I just wasn't actually, I just wasn't just clear on what it is I actually really wanted to do with the time I would, I would have. Um, right. 
So it's really cool that you're clear on that. And I think it's a really, really important lesson for all of us, especially mums that have businesses to, to, to actually think that way and to get clarity on, on what it is they, how they want the business to look. And that may change over time, but to actually have the capacity for it to be flexible. Cause I know having had a business that was very much workshop based in the UK, when I came to mm-hmm. Spain, it just, it, it it either meant me going backwards and forwards all the time. And so it was just this moment of like, I, this isn't sustainable for me anymore. And so what happened is the business actually just, it just disappeared because I just was like, well, now what? Now what it is, what is it that I want to create? I hadn't really taken into the consideration that at some point my lifestyle actually would be more important to me and that the businesses would have to revolve around it. So, um, it's a really, really, really key thing, I think, for most mums to really look at if they do have businesses to, to yeah. you know. And I think even if you don't have a business, I think that your perspective on your profession shifts after motherhood because regardless of whether or not you have a business, if you're working, if you're a working mom, you're still spending the majority of your day at work versus with your children. And so I think there's this kind of reality check about, if I'm going to be away from my family for all this time, is this how I want to be spending it? And I think that it's often a time when women reconsider careers or reconsider the impact they want to have in the world because they want to be conscientious of how they're spending that time away from their family. For some people, it is like, I just, I'm going to do this to pay the bills. It's reasonable income and it's great benefits and health insurance and those kinds of things. So I'm just going to do it for those reasons, which is fine. And then I think for other people, for other moms, they're like, oh, you know, this work that used to be meaningful me- meaningful to me is no longer meaningful. And I've known people who were like successful lawyers. And after having kids, they're like, yeah, like I don't, I'm not, then I'd rather make less money and do something different. And so I, so rigorous and soul sucking. I think we all have a little bit of a gut check with that to see where we stand. And there's not a right or wrong answer at all. Um, but I think that, I mean, I think that your example is perfect about like, you know, this running around town and doing workshops is not it's not a good fit anymore. And so now I'm going to do something else instead. And I think that that happens a lot. And that was definitely a lot of what happened with me with shifting out of my gym as the profession and into the podcast is that I was really conscientious of what I wanted to be building and how that had shifted since becoming a mom. And for me, I did not want to be having conversations about women shrinking anymore. And that's what I felt like I was doing most of the time at the gym was like helping women shrink. And I was really conscientious that on, I wanted to be doing the opposite. I wanted to be helping women live bigger, <laughs> bolder, braver. And so then I shifted gears in that direction because that became much more important to me. Sure. Yeah, no, having women shrink and, and lose weight, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Sarah, if if someone wants to contact you, how can they do that? So you can contact me through my website at shamelessmom.com. And I'm also in our free Facebook community every day. So that's over at shamelessmom.com slash Facebook. Um, And yeah, and then the podcast, The Shameless Mom Academy, you can find it through my website, but it's also on iTunes. I mean, any any podcast app that you use... um, you will find the Shameless Mom Academy there. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. It's been... Thank you. Just to 
just chat and, and, and to talk about, you know, what really matters in terms of being a mother. So, and, and for everybody else that's been listening on today, I hope you got as much of it as I did. And um, until the next time, bye-bye for now. Bye. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. <laughs>